ambitious Norway combat did. So front he once went in an angry pal, he smote the sledded polex on the ice. Tis strange. Thus, twice before, and jump at this dead hour, with martial stalk hath he gone by our watch. In what particular thought to work, I know not. But in the gross and scope of my opinion, this bodes some strange eruption to our state. Good now. Sit down and tell me, he that knows, why this same strict and most observant watch so nightly toils the subject of the land, and why such daily cast of brazen cannon and foreign mart for implements of war, why such impress of shipwrights whose sore task does not divide the Sunday from the week, what might be toward that this sweaty haste doth make the night joint laborer with the day. Who is the can inform me? That can I. At least the whisper goes so. Our last king, whose image even but now appeared to us, was, as you know, by fourteen brass of Norway, thereto pricked on by our most emulate pride, dared to the combat, in which our valiant Hamlet, for so this side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this fourteen brass, who by a sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands which he stood seized of to the conqueror, against the which a moiety competent was gauged by our king, which had returned to the inheritance of Fortinbras had he been vanquisher, as by the same covenant and carriage of the article designed his fell to Hamlet. Now, sir, Young Fortinbras, of unimproved metal, hot and full, hath in the skirts of Norway here and there shocked up a list of lawless resolutes for food and diet to some enterprise that hath a stomach in it, which is no other but to recover of us by strong hand and terms compulsory those foresaid lands so by his father lost. And this, I take it, is the main motive of our preparations the source of this our watch, and the chief head of this post-haste and roamage in the land. I think it be no other but e'en so. Well may it sort that this portentous figure comes armed through our watch, so like the king that was, and is the question of these wars. A mote it is to trouble the mind's eye. In the most high and palmy state of Rome, a little ere the mightiest Julius fell, the graves stood tenantless, and the sheeted dead did squeak and gibber in the Roman streets. And even the like precursor feared events, as harbingers preceding still the fates and prologue to the omen coming on, have heaven and earth together demonstrated unto our climatures and countrymen, as stars with trains of fire and dews of blood, disasters in the sun, and the moist star upon whose influence Neptune's empire stands was sick almost to doomsday with eclipse. But so behold, lo, and it comes again. I'll cross it, though it blast me. Stay, illusion! Thou hast any sound or use of voice, speak to me. If there be any good thing to be done that may to thee do ease and grace to me, speak to me. 
If thou art privy to thy country's fate, which happily foreknowing may avoid, oh, speak. Or if thou hast uphoarded in thy life extorted treasure in the womb of earth, for which they say you spirits oft walk in death, speak of it. Stay and speak. Stop it, Marcellus. Shall I strike at it with my partisan? Do if it will not stand. Tis here. Tis here. Tis gone. We do it wrong, being so majestical to offer it the show of violence. For it is as the air invulnerable, and our vein blows malicious mockery. It was about to speak when the cock crew. And then it started, like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I have heard the cock that is the trumpet to the morn doth with his lofty and shrill-sounding throat awake the god of day. And at his warning, whether in sea or fire, in earth or air, the extravagant and erring spirit hies to his confine. And of the truth herein, this present object made probation. It faded on the crowing of the cock. Some say that ever against that season comes wherein our Saviour's birth is celebrated, the bird of dawning singeth all night long. And then they say no spirit dare stir abroad. The nights are wholesome. Then no planets strike, no fairy takes, nor witch hath power to charm. So hallowed and so gracious is that time. So have I heard, and do in part believe it. But look, the morn in russet mantle clad walks o'er the dew of yon high eastward hill. Break we our watch up. And by my advice, let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet. For upon my life, this spirit, dumb to us, will speak to him. Do you consent we shall acquaint him with it, as needful in our loves, fitting our duty? Let's do it, I pray. And I this morning know where we shall find him most convenient. Claudius, the new king of Denmark, the late king's brother, is about to hold a state council. The councillors, headed by Polonius, are in their robes, and behind them are the courtiers in full court dress. Among them, Polonius' son, Laertes. Hamlet, the late king's son, is dressed in plain black. His claim to the succession has been overridden, and he is not a member of the council. The king enters, with his newly married queen, Gertrude, his brother's widow. They take their places, and the king prepares to address the council. Though yet of Hamlet, our dear brother's death, the memory be green, and that it us befitted to bear our hearts in grief, and our whole kingdom to be contracted in one brave woe. Yet so far had this crescent fought with nature, that we with wisest sorrow think on him together with remembrance of ourselves. Therefore, our sometime sister, now our queen, the imperial jointress to this warlike state, have we, as twere with a defeated joy, with an auspicious and a dropping eye, with mirth and funeral and with dirge and marriage, in equal scale weighing delight and dole, taken to wife. 
Nor have we here in Bard your better wisdoms which have freely gone with this affair along. For all our thanks. Now follows that you know. The young Fortinbras, holding a week's supposed of our worth, or thinking about our late dear brother's death, our state to be disjointed out of frame. Colleaguing with this dream of his advantage, he hath not failed to pester us with message importing the surrender of those lands lost by his father with all bonds of law to our most valiant brother. So much for him. Now for ourselves and for this time of meeting, thus much the business is. We have here writ to Norway, uncle of young Fortinbras, who, impotent and bedrid, scarcely hears of this as nephew's purpose to suppress his further gate herein. And we here dispatch you, good Cornelius, and you, Valtermand, for bearers of this greeting to old Norway, giving to you no further personal power to business with the king, more than the scope of these dilated articles allow. Farewell, and let your haste command your duty. In that and all things will we show our duty. <laughs> we doubted nothing, heartily farewell. And now, Laertes, what's the news with you? You told us of some suit. What is it, Laertes? You cannot speak of reason to the Dane and lose your voice. What wouldst thou beg, Laertes, that shall not be my offer, not thy asking? The head is not more native to the heart, the hand more instrumental to the mouth than is the throne of Denmark to thy father. What wouldst thou have, Laertes? My dread lord, your leave and favor to return to France from whence, though willingly, I came to Denmark to show my duty in your coronation. Yet now I must confess that duty done, my thoughts and wishes bend again toward France, and bow them to your gracious leave and pardon. Have you your father's leave? What says Polonius? He hath me, Lord.